text today. We have been in a series in the book of Ephesians, and we're going to continue in Ephesians today. We're actually going to back up uh, just a little bit to Ephesians chapter 4, um, and I hope y'all can pay attention as I read this. I know it's pretty long, uh, but Ephesians 4, verse 25, let me, let me go ahead and read this for us. This is God's word. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Uh, let me pray for us. Uh, Father, we, um, we're approaching the preaching of your word now, and I, I pray that we would approach this uh, humbly and carefully. Uh, God, would you be kind and, and speak through a, a crooked stick? Would you speak through a sinful man? Uh, and, and would you help us to see the, the value and importance of integrity uh, and honesty? Uh, Father, would you uh, be pleased even to use this message in our lives uh, that we might be stirred up uh, to indeed speak the truth uh, in our lives, in our, in our attitudes, in our words, and in our actions? Uh, we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, two weeks ago, I imagine most of you heard that, that Brian Williams, who's an anchor for NBC News and who does a pretty mean version of Rapper's Delight, um, with some help from Jimmy Fallon, he was suspended for six months uh, by NBC News for lying about being shot down. He said he was on a helicopter that was shot down by an RPG during the Iraq War, and this was not actually true. This was not actually what happened. Uh, and when all of this came to the light, there was a lot of making fun of Brian Williams on social media, and that was all kind of fun. And there was this general um, disappointment and disapproval uh, of what he had done. Uh, and as Christians, you know, honesty is important to us. We want to affirm the value and the importance of honesty. Uh, Satan in the Bible is actually called the father of lies. Uh, the ninth commandment is you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Paul reminds us here uh, that we need to speak the truth uh, to one another. And so on the one hand, we want to agree and say, yeah, that's right. What, what Brian Williams there was, was wrong. That was not to act uh, with integrity. But at the same time, we're also mindful of Jesus' words to those who would stone the, the, the woman who had been caught in adultery when he said, let him who is without guilt, without sin, cast the first stone. I mean, really, how many people are condemning Brian Williams? How many of us, perhaps, are condemning Brian Williams? How many of us have ever stretched the truth to make ourselves look better? We just didn't get caught publicly like he did. And so, on the one hand, we're aware that he didn't live up to a standard, and that's an important standard. It's God's standard. But we're also aware that we've failed to live up to that standard as well, that we haven't always been honest in our words, that we haven't always been truthful, which is why we need Jesus, which is why we were reminded of that week after week. See, the, 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 law, of the, God, the law of God, the commandments of God, like do not bear false, false witness, speak, speak the truth, put off falsehood, those commandments are meant to show us that we're actually lawbreakers, that there is this standard and that we've fallen short of that standard. And the scriptures say the consequences of that Falling short of this standard are, are death, eternal death even. And so what the law does is it shows us that we need a Savior. 
It shows us that we haven't lived up to God's standard and we need a Savior. We need someone to rescue us. And the gospel then points us to that Savior. The gospel points us to Jesus Christ who at the cross forgives our sins. He dies for our lying, uh, even though he was truth incarnate. And so Jesus takes responsibility at the cross for all the lies that you and I have told. The law shows us our sin. It drives us to Jesus for forgiveness. Jesus forgives our sin, but Jesus also changes us so that more and more we can become people who actually make a habit of speaking truth. And he points us back to these commandments that point us toward honesty and said, this is how I want you to speak now. This is how I want you to live now. Um, he points us back to the law, as it were, not as a way to kind of keep or earn our salvation, but as a guide for how to live in a way to please our Savior. Now, what I want to talk about today is when it, when it comes to turning away from lying, or as Paul says, putting off falsehood, uh, and becoming somebody who speaks with integrity, what does that look like, and how do we get there? What does that look like, and how do we get there? Um, to start with, if you remember a couple of weeks ago, a few verses earlier in, the, in chapter 4 of Ephesians, we saw that when somebody becomes a Christian, there's a fundamental change in who they are. Um, it's like they've put off an old self and put on a new self. They're now, the moment they trust in Christ, they are a fundamentally new and different person. And the example we used was marriage. Uh, you've been a single person. Once you say those vows and get married, you are now a married person. You are fundamentally a married person. That's who you are. But you have to learn to live as a married person. You still have these habits of singlehood, of singleness. I can do what I want to do when I want to do it. You now have this other person to think about. And so even though you're married now, you still live at times like a single, single person. And your behavior has to more and more match up with what it looks like to live as a married person. You have single habits you have to put off. And married habits you have to put on. Uh, here in verse 25, Paul says, having put away falsehood. Now, if you read that in the NIV, it says, put away falsehood. Having put away falsehood, put away falsehood. So you can see even the, in the translation some of the, the tension there of trying to get at what Paul's saying. There's something that has happened in the past. You are a fundamentally new person, but you have to learn to live as that new person. You've got to learn to live as the new you. You've got to learn to put off falsehood. And you have to do that every day. To not lie, but instead, instead to speak truthfully. So... Uh, what I want to do is we kind of flesh out what this looks like. I want to talk about um, three types of falsehood that we have to put off. Okay, Three types of falsehood that we have to put off. Uh, false views, false selves, and false words. False views, false selves, and false words. I want to talk about talking about, start with talking about false views. All right. What color was the dress? Does anybody not know what I'm talking about? Raise your hand if you don't know what I'm talking about. I, every, seriously, are y'all not just scared to raise your hand? I, okay, I got one. Thank you. I got one honest person. I got two. 
Okay, so there's a, there's a dress on the internet this week, like for a day. It was the, the most viral and went away thing ever. Um, but I'm bringing it back. There was this dress on the internet, and everybody saw it as different colors, right? Some people looked at it, and it was this color, and other people looked at it, and it was another color. So how many, how many people saw the dress as black and blue? Okay. How many people saw the dress as white and gold? Okay, that's, that's about right. It said like 30% saw it as black and blue, 70% saw it as white and gold. How many people saw blue and gold? Okay, we got me and Holly. That's right, rock on. We're the special people. There, there was like some outliers that saw completely different colors and nobody knows why. Um, I don't, here's, all right, listen, here's, <laughs> let's just, we'll have a big conversation about this. Uh, we can divide in the teams. Why did people see the dress differently? All right, why did people see the dress differently? Was it actually different? No, it was actually black and blue. It was, it was actually black and blue. And according to Yahoo Health, which is the authority on all health issues, <laughs> When Dr. Story's doing a heart procedure and he gets stuck, he goes to Yahoo Health real quick, right? Okay. Um, but so take this for what it's worth, right? But this is what Yahoo Health said. Uh, if you saw it as black and blue, your retina is interpreting the photo as overexposed. You could have active cones in your eyes. So, ugh, that sounds scary. Um, your, your brain knows how to compensate for lighting tricks. It could be that you're in the fashion field. Or it might be that you're red-green color deficient, <laughs> um, even though you got it right. Um, if you saw it as white and gold, your retina is interpreting the photo as underexposed. You could have active rods in your eyes as opposed to cones, and you may be better at perceiving color, even though you, I don't know how that works, you perceive the wrong color. Um, <laughs> And if you, if you saw a different color, like me and Holly, it just says you're a mystery, all right? They have, they have no idea what's wrong with our eyes. Um, and I don't, I don't know what, what all that means. Here's what I do know. There's something go, going on in us that affects the way that we saw that picture. There's some biological thing going on in us that affects the way we saw that picture. We, we, were, we were all looking at that picture through different filters. And the filter that we were looking through determined what we saw when we looked at that dress. Now, we're all just talking about dresses and that's, that's all well and good. The reality is, is that we all also have these philosophical, religious, um, spiritual filters as well. That we all have these filters that affect the way that we interpret reality. Uh, listen to Romans 1.25. It says that mankind has exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator. Uh, verse 21 of that same chapter says that they knew God but didn't honor him as God or give thanks to him and so became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Here's what that means. Paul is saying in Romans that when we turn away from God, when we turn away from God, it confuses and scrambles the filter through which we view and interpret all of reality. Now, 
in his mercy, God, even though our, our view is, is clouded and confused, he still allows us to see some things clearly. We still have a general, most of the time, sense of right and wrong. Uh, we still believe in, in cause and effect and, and things like that. But understanding how all of it fits together, understanding the purpose of life, understanding what, what we're here for, things like that, of, of who people are, all of that is scrambled and confused. And so we actually view the world wrongly. We don't look at it the right way. We're looking at it through broken glasses, might be one way to put it, because we refuse to acknowledge God and who he is. We refuse to acknowledge him as Lord. And since we refuse to acknowledge him and refuse to worship him, we instead worship and serve, Paul says in Romans 1, created things. We build our lives on things other than God. We don't look at reality clearly, and we build our lives on things other than God. Uh, people with a blurry view of the world, here's some, here's some things you might say if you have a blurry view of the world. Uh, eat, drink, and eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. You only live once. Be all you can be now. Uh, if it feels good, do it. Uh, I'm committed to marriage as, as long as it makes me happy. I've got to do what I've got to do to get ahead. If I could only get the house and the car and the boat and, the, and then everything will be okay. Uh, people with a blurry view of the world, instead of worshiping God, worship idols like power and sex and money and possessions. And the idol that you worship, the idol that you worship affects your vision in ways unique to that particular idol. So if money is your God, that's going to warp the way that you view and perceive everything around you. If sex is your God, that's going to be the lenses through which you view everything around you, and that's going to affect how you understand the world. And when we become Christians, what happens is that we begin to view reality rightly. Our our vision begins to clear up, kind of like somebody has removed cataracts or is in the process of removing cataracts from our eyes. And the reason is, is, is things begin to clear up because we begin to look at things through the glasses of Scripture. Like th this becomes the lenses through which we interpret all the world around us and understand reality. Now understand, that's not an instant thing. All right, you just don't put these glasses on and suddenly everything is okay. Uh, Romans 12 says we have to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Uh, so it's, it's not as easy as taking off one pair of glasses and putting on another. Uh, it's not that simple. It doesn't go that quickly. But my thinking about reality that was once shaped by people who had a clouded and confused view of reality themselves, teachers, pop culture, whatever, they had this confused view of reality, I'm deriving my view of reality from them, it has to be more and more shaped by the scriptures and how God views reality. And so my understanding of everything has to be shaped by the Bible. Uh, the, the Christian rapper Lecrae tells a story of, of coming to faith in Jesus, and he was still a young believer, and so everything wasn't really falling into place him. Uh, he was dating somebody. They continued to have sex even after he became a believer. Uh, and eventually the young lady got pregnant and they decided to have an abortion. 
that was just the way he had always thought, of, well, well, this is what you do if you wind up uh, in that situation. He had been taught it was a choice and not a child. In his words, it was a matter of him choosing my life over yours. My life over yours. In his song, Good, Bad, and Ugly, uh, he writes that he was scared my dreams weren't going to survive, so I dropped her off at that clinic that day a part of us died. And so he had been looking at all of life in one way. He had been accustomed to think, well, if that, that happens, that's going to mess up my life. That child is going to get in the way of my dreams. And he hadn't began to look at it in a more Christian way of that's a child who's fearfully and wonderfully made. That's someone who's in the image of God, not just a, a blob of flesh to be discarded if it's inconvenient for me. And so you, you can see how he had been looking at reality through this clouded and distorted way. And he, he's, he's not quite, he wasn't quite there yet, right? He hadn't learned to think about it through the lenses of scripture. And so what he had to do and what we have to do as, as believers is begin to put off those false view of views of reality that we're inundated with every day. Those ways of thinking that, thinking that doesn't take into account the scriptures. And we have to begin to look at reality and interpret life uh, in light of the scriptures. So we have to put off false views and put on a proper view. Now secondly, uh, we have to put off false selves. All right, how many people remember the movie Meet the Parents? Okay, we got a few people that remember the movie Meet the Parents. Uh, ben Stiller's playing this guy named Greg, and he's going home to meet his girlfriend's family, and the dad is, is Robert De Niro. And at some point, Ben Stiller has communicated that he grew up on a farm. Uh, and so they're eating breakfast, I'm mean, eating supper, and the, the dad says, Robert De Niro says, you probably had better vegetables than that growing up on the farm, didn't you? And the girlfriend says, he didn't grow up on a farm, he grew up in Detroit. And the, the mom says, do they have farms in Detroit? And then Ben Stiller has to clarify, he says, well, we, we grew up in kind of a farm style house and we had a lot of pets. Um, and that's what I meant by growing up, on, growing up on the farm. And the dad says, well, which one of them did you milk? Because he had expressed the ability to do this at some point, and Ben Stiller says, the cat? Um, I milked and it, I won't go any further, you can watch it. Um, but he had, been, he had been pretending to be somebody that he wasn't, all right? He didn't think who he was was really going to be acceptable to his girlfriend's father. And so he created this covering, this identity for himself that he thought would then be acceptable to his girlfriend's dad. Y'all, it's the same thing that Adam and Eve did in the garden. When, when they were, realized that they, were, they had sinned against God, they realized that something was wrong, they immediately had this instinct to cover themselves. They knew that they weren't acceptable. And, and we've been doing the same thing ever since. We create an image to project to the people around us. Uh, some way to think of ourselves so that we'll feel better, better about ourselves, so that others will feel better about us, so that God even will accept us. We're not happy with who we are, and so we dress a certain way or act a certain way, trying to gain this sense of, wait, I'm okay. We try to cover ourselves. We make these coverings, these masks. And so putting off falsehood, 
putting off false selves, what would that involve then? It would involve taking off these masks and learning to live out who we are in Christ. Taking off these masks and learning to live out who we are in Christ. It means recognizing we are broken sinners, but we are also redeemed sinners, loved by God and then forgiven by him in Christ. What might that look like practically? To take off our false selves and to put on our true self, in Christ, our in Christ self. Uh, one thing it would mean that who we are in public or who we are in private would match up more and more with who we are in public. Who we are in private would match up more and more with who we are in public. We wouldn't be Christians in public only. Uh, Tim Keller in his new book on prayer writes, the infallible test of spiritual integrity, Jesus says, is your private prayer life. The infallible test of spiritual integrity is your private prayer life. Like, I can, I can say I need Jesus, and I can stand up here and pray a decent prayer for you, and you can think, oh, Justin's so spiritual, that was a great prayer. But if, my, if there's not a robust private prayer life that accompanies that, uh, that's deceptive on my part. That's not living with, with spiritual integrity. And so one of the ways we put off false selves is that our, our private persona begins to match up more and more with our public persona. A second thing uh, we'd see in our lives as we put off our false selves is we'd see more confession. Uh, we'd see more confession. What do you usually say when somebody asks you how you're doing spiritually? I think most of us say, I'm doing okay. Like, nobody wants to be like, I'm doing good, right? Because that just sounds too arrogant. But nobody really wants to say, I'm really struggling, because then we got to dig in all my junk. I really don't want to do that either. So we all just sort of say, well, I'm, I'm doing okay. And if we get specific and say, well, what are you struggling with? Well, I really need to read my Bible more. Okay, great, thanks. We're not getting anywhere with that. I really need to, what's, what's really going on in our lives? If, if we were really putting off falsehood, we confess more that was really going on in our lives. Like a, a, a friend of mine uh, some, some years back came to me and said, I hit my wife. I hit my wife. I've been getting so angry that I hit my wife. Uh, I'm struggling with porn. I'm, I'm angry at everybody. I'm, I'm depressed. The, the kids are driving me crazy. I don't know. I, I'd rather watch television than come to church. I'd rather watch television than go to work. Um, I, I'm thinking about having an affair. Here's who I am. If we were putting off falsehood instead of saying, I'm, I'm okay and I just need to read my Bible more, we would say, I'm really not okay. And will you help me? I, I really need Jesus. I really need Jesus. Why do we have such a hard time with that? Why do we have such a hard time with that? Well, because sometimes the church teaches grace but acts like we believe in works. Um, because we have a hard time letting go of our own righteousness uh, and really believing we need Jesus. Sometimes we're afraid of the consequences. Sometimes we're just ashamed and we don't want to speak those things to other people. Well, how do we, how do we get past that? How do we get past that? How do we put off our false selves? 
Um, we've got to continue to hear the gospel. We've got to continue to grow into Jesus. Uh, and as we do that, we'll find that God really is gracious, uh, as Alex said this morning. As we do that, we'll find that, that God really is gracious. That when we sin, we don't fall out of grace, we fall into grace. That when we sin, we don't fall out of grace, we fall into grace. That even though I'm a sinner, I'm forgiven in Christ. His righteousness is now mine. God has accepted me. So if other people reject me, that's, that's okay. That's okay. And if we really believe the gospel, we'll be much more accepting of the struggles of others and, and sympathetic to them as well. As we grow into Christ, we, we realize that, you know what, God really, he wants me to grow. And he's not waiting to just smack me down because I've sinned. He wants me to confess that sin. Uh, he, he wants me to mature. And the only way that's going to happen is through ongoing confession and repentance and faith. He doesn't want me to hide my sin. He wants me to bring my sin out into the light so it can shrivel up and die. Uh, that Lecrae song that I mentioned earlier was something of his public confession of, of what had happened in his life. Um, he said that what happened was he kind of he kept that hidden for a long time, even as a believer. Uh, and then he was about to get married, and he says, he was, I was getting rid of pictures of my ex-girlfriends to say that my mind and my heart are focused on this woman I'm about to marry and, and no one else, and I don't need any reminders of anything from the past. And I came across her picture, the, the one who he had had have an abortion, told her to have an abortion. He said, I came across her picture, and I couldn't throw it away. And my wife said, just throw it in the trash. I literally broke down over the guilt and the remorse and the shame of it all. That was the beginning of the healing process for me. That was like he had been carrying that around and he couldn't get well until he actually brought that to the light. You and I will never be well if we keep hiding our sin behind our religious mask and saying that everything is okay. We have to, to bring it to the light and confess it and run to Jesus. So we have to, to, to put off false views of the world, but we also have to put off our false selves, our false selves that we've created to put before everybody else. Now, last thing, we got to put off false words. That's probably what you thought I was going to talk about back in the beginning. We are getting there. You, have to, you actually have to put off false words. Um, we haven't used it in a couple of weeks, but a lot of times we use this thing called a catechism, which is a series of questions and answers about different doctrines of the faith. One of the ones we don't use is called the, the, the Larger Catechism, and this is a really fat book that you probably don't want to read, but it's fascinating to go in and pick up how they explain the Ten Commandments. And if, you, if you're ever thinking, I'm doing pretty good, go read, go read them talking about the Ten Commandments, and you'll, you'll see how much you need Jesus. Now, I'm not going to read the whole thing because it would take, like, it, it was a ton, but, but here's some of the things they, they say about do not bear false witness. Um, let me find it here. So it asks, first of all, so what does this, require, this commandment require of us? And here's some of the things. Preserving and promoting truth uh, from the heart, sincerely, freely, clearly, and fully speaking the truth and only the truth. Uh, a charitable esteem of our neighbor. Loving, desiring, and rejoicing in our neighbor's good name. A ready receiving of a good report and an unwillingness to receive a bad report. Like, like 
don't talk about them. That's what we do. Don't talk about that person to me. Come on, actually, I do really want to hear it. Um, they're saying a ready receiving of a good report and an unwillingness to receive a bad report. What does it forbid? Here's some of the things they mentioned. Giving false evidence, calling evil good and good evil, forgery, concealing the truth, undue silence in a just cause, holding our peace when iniquity calls for reproof, speaking the truth unseasonably or maliciously. In other words, there's a way to use the truth in, a wrong, in the wrong way also. Uh, speaking untruth, slandering, backbiting, whispering. I'm not sure what that meant. Don't whisper, stop whispering. Um, I, I think that's probably something along the lines of gossiping. Uh, scoffing, misconstruing intentions and actions, aggravating smaller faults. In other words, taking something that's a small fault and another person just blowing that up into something really big. Hiding or excusing sins when called to free confession and receiving evil reports. So that, that's just, there's like, I could keep going. They're like, all these things, they're, they're kind of drawing on the scriptures and saying, here's what it looks like to break or to keep this commandment um, to not bear false witness. Now, why do we, let's go here, why do we do those things? Why do we so readily speak lies instead of the truth? Uh, sometimes it's greed. It's just, there, there's something I want, and I know I may not get it if I speak the truth, and so I'm going to lie about it. And so I'm, I'm ruled by my desire in that situation. Uh, sometimes it's fear, and we're living out of our need to be in control. If I tell the truth, I'm not sure what's going to happen, and so I'm going to try to control this situation by being dishonest about it. Uh, there's a movie called the, the Emperor's Club, and, and in this movie there's a professor who's confronting one of his former students because he's found out that basically this student cheated his way through his class uh, in college, and now this student's running for public office, and they're at this big banquet, uh, and uh, something to do with him running for public office, and the professor and this former student run into each other in the restroom, and the professor confronts uh, this student about, <clears throat> about his cheating. Uh, and the student says, you know, basically, you got me, uh, but you're not going to go out there and tell everybody, are you? You're, you're going to let this go, right? And, and this is what the professor says. He says, all of us at some point are forced to look at ourselves in the mirror and see who we really are and when that day comes for you, you'll be confronted with a life lived without virtue and principle, and for that I pity you. I'm not going to tell everybody, but I am going to give you this last lesson. You will have lived a life without virtue and principle, and you're going to see that one day, and for that I pity you. Uh, here's how the student responded. What can I say? Who gives a rip? Honestly. Who out there gives a rip about your principles and virtues? I mean, look at you. What do you have to show for yourself? I live in the real world where people do what they need to get what they want, and if it's lying and cheating, then so be it. So I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to win that election, and you will see me everywhere, and I'll worry about my contribution later. And about that time, you hear a, a toilet flush in the restroom, and one of the stall doors open, and it's the former student's son. 
who's been in the restroom and he's heard this entire conversation and he, you know, he's given his dad that look of just utter disappointment and the dad is horrified at what his son has heard. Now, there's several things in that. Do, do you see his worldview operating? Do you see his worldview operating that drove him both who he presented himself to be and also drove his behavior as well? He presented himself as an honest person, as an upstanding citizen, when in reality he was a liar. And he did it all. Why? Why did he do it? Because of his underlying worldview, which said, I live in the real world where people do what they need to get what they want. That's the world I operate in. People do what they need to get what they want. And in that world, principles and virtue, they're just, there's these relics of the past. So that's fine for you to hold on to, but they don't help my life at all. And you know what? In a way, he's right. Uh, if there is no God, then virtue and principle don't really matter. And the professor is kind of wasting his breath. Well, they do matter. And the student himself, even though he was trying to suppress the fact that they mattered, realized that matter, realized that they mattered when he realized that his son had heard everything. Because suddenly it was a suddenly, oh, honesty and integrity do matter. And I want my son to see me as someone who is honest and acts with integrity. And now he's seen the real me, and that matters. So how do we move from speaking lies to speaking truth? One is simply to know that there is a God, and he is great, and he is in control. And so I'm free, if I believe that, to speak the truth and let the chips fall where they may. I can give up on my attempts to try to control everything through my dishonesty. And I can be honest and trust God is in control. How do we move? By believing that there is a God, and he is good. There is a God and he is good. Uh, Tim Chester writes, every longing is a version of our longing for God. That every longing that we have is a version of our longing for God. It may be a distorted version of our longing for God, but it's still a longing for the God we were made to know. And somebody said, I can't even remember who, the young man who rings the doorbell of the brothel is in reality looking for God. He's looking for God. The, the, the light, the pleasure that we try to find in so many places is actually found in God and in knowing him. Uh, and then thirdly, we grow in this way by believing that there is a God and that if we're in Christ, he's connected us to Christ and to the other members of the body of Christ. As Paul says here, for we are members one of another. And so if one part of the, that body is struggling, the rest of the body needs to know that. We don't need to hide that, but we need to be honest about where we are with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And then lastly, we grow, we move from speaking lies to speaking truth as we know and believe that there is a God and that he's loved me enough to send his son who is truth to die for my lies. That Jesus has come to die for my lying. And this one who loves me and forgives me is also the one who calls me now to live openly and honestly and with confession. He's the one who calls me to a life of repentance and faith. Who calls me to confession. Because he knows that that confession is the only place I'm going to find healing for my soul.
Let me pray for us. Um, Father, help us in this. Um, help us to put away false views of reality that, that, that if we're honest, we're still influenced by every day and often in ways you don't even realize. Help us to put off our false selves, the mask that we present to everybody saying that we're, we're okay when we're not. And help us to put off false speech. Um, God, would you enable us to be honest? Uh, enable us to trust that you're in control, to trust that you're good, uh, and that our lives are in your hands, and we don't have to try to shape them with our dishonest speech. Uh, help us to know how to speak truthfully to one another and to speak truthfully uh, in love. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.